This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Today's amazing Fail Fast interview is sponsored by ClickFunnels. Whatever your goal is, if it's to generate leads, sell products, send more emails, run webinars, ClickFunnels can give you everything you need to market, sell, and deliver your products or services online. All of this without having to hire or rely on a tech team. So if you want to try it for two weeks, 100% for free, go to failfastpodcast.com forward slash click. That's it. I'll say it again. The link is failfastpodcast.com forward slash click welcome everyone to the show today we have a very successful entrepreneur teacher lover of the underdog a widely unreasonable person and a local marketing hero with us today we have brian Seyman. how's it going brian it's going great Glenn. thanks so much for having me i really appreciate it no problem brian so why why are you unreasonable <laughs> uh, well i I consider myself pretty unreasonable because I think I've taken uh, a bit of an alternative path to most people. And uh, the unreasonableness came when I when I quit my job and and started a, a local marketing business. So um, when I started my business, I was still working full time. And I guess this is a little bit reasonable, but people don't think of doing it this way. I did stay at my job and I built my business on the side as a side hustle. And then it took me about 18 months before I could I could leave my my full time job and, and and have my business support me and my family. So it took me a little while to get it, to get it going. I was figuring everything out along the way. You know, made my mistakes. I'm sure had had some failures. We'll probably get into those. Um, and uh, you know, and but but it was a, it was a great ride, and I'm so glad I did it. It's years later now, and uh, you know, looking back, I can't imagine life any other way. That's perfect. And you know, my opinion is that you did the right way. I hear a lot of people like, I gotta, I'm going to quit tomorrow and start a business. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, start a business first. And then, yeah. so I, I did it like you running it on the side, you know, while, while mm-hmm. my nine to five or nine to nine, whatever it was. And yeah, on yeah. the side, kind of while you're getting paid by somebody else, you can do a bit of work for yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, you know, entrepreneurs have kind of become, especially these big tech entrepreneurs, they've become almost like uh, athletes or movie stars. Like we know their names, or, you know, we follow their careers. And, um, you know, in the tech world, that's what people do. They go, they get a huge sum of money from somebody and, you know, that, that's their investment and they're always, you know, raising funds and this, that, the other. But, you know, for, for people like us, well, we're just trying to, to support our families and, and have a business that works. You know, sticking around in your job, not asking for outside funding, not going into debt, you know, no, getting a proof of concept and getting customers and, and knowing that it works and knowing that your customers are happy. Uh, I think it's the only way to go. I think that's the only way to go. Yeah, I, I agree. So why did you, what made you become an entrepreneur? Um, I would say that I, I really wanted to be one for a long time, but uh, I just didn't really know what to do. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was always kind of looking into different opportunities and, and, and different side hustles. And cause I just knew for whatever reason, my personality just didn't mesh with, you know, with, <laughs> with having a job. It just, it just didn't. Um, I mean, I was a really good, uh, employee actually. I, I won employee of the year places I was at, so I don't want to 
to come off like I, I didn't like my job or I wasn't good at it or anything like that. I just deep down, I knew that I wanted to work for myself. And, um, and I do have a saying that, that I think entrepreneurs are made, not born, because uh, you do hear a lot of the, the stories out there where people are just like, oh, I was, you know, I had a lemonade stand when I was six and I just knew I was going to, you know, own my own business or, you know, I was selling baseball cards or whatever the deal was. And I, I don't have that, that, that myth, you know, that, that backstory. Um, you know, I went to college, I, I got a job, I started a career. And then that was when I realized, no, I don't think this is what I wanted to do. You know, entrepreneurship just wasn't really an option up until that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you know, I need to start exploring this. And I explored a few different options. And uh, by saying, by exploring, I mean, I actually began doing them, uh, you know, started some side hustles, started building some websites, started, uh, you know, doing as much research as I could to figure out how to make some money. And, uh, and then, you know, ended up uh, really settling on my business now, which is, which is doing lead generation for local businesses. And uh, that, that was the one that, that took off the most and I had the most fun with and, and, and I love it. And now I'm, I'm really hoping to, to help other people learn how to do that too. I've got a couple of students that I've brought from, you know, being in the position I was in where they had a job and they really didn't like it and wanted to learn how to do this. I've helped them move along. And now uh, I'd love to, to be able to help out some more people. So that's kind of where local marketing hero came. That, that's it, it, Exactly. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so I've put together a course where I, I just show people exactly what they would need to do in order to start this business and really to start this business in, in 2019. I mean, when I started it back in about 2008, um, you know, the, the landscape was very different. Now there is an army of uh, freelancers out there who are willing to do a lot of this work. I had to figure out a lot of this stuff on my own back then. Um, so, so it's definitely a little bit of a different path now, but the fundamentals are the same, right? You've, you've, you've always got to pay attention to the fundamentals and, uh, and just really, you know, lead generation is obviously a big part of it and, and you know, how you're going to find your clients and, and how to make sales and, and, and how to run your business back end. So I've got a course for that and I'm trying to help people out, get them started. There's lots of people out there that would, would rather be doing that than the job they're in. So if I can help, I want to. Yeah. And this uh, in 2008 is when you started the, the marketing agency? Yeah, um, the agency actually didn't start in 2008, but that was when I really first started to explore okay. um, how to make how to make money online, of how to build websites. I built my first website, I think it was like right in January of 2008, and WordPress was out, but it wasn't really a big thing back then. Uh, I actually bought a co- course that taught me how to uh, hard code a website. I built my first website in HTML, and. Yes. Uh, you know, it took me forever, but I got it going, and um, you know, I just kind of learned things the, the hard way. Now you could go on on freelancer.com and have uh, you know a much better, more robust, more powerful website in two or three days because a freelancer could do it for you. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> uh, back then, 2008, 2007, it would have been HTML on a on a WordPad or a Notepad. Or mm-hmm. Dreamweaver? Did you have? That's the, what it was. It was Dreamweaver. That's what it was. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. And that was a fortune to buy the the, the Dreamweaver software. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And then I, I think it was probably later that year was when I discovered WordPress, and it was still kind of in its infancy, so it had some issues. But I was just like, "Wow, this is amazing! <laughs> this is yeah. so much better!" And uh, yeah, I can remember for the first couple of years because the agency started in in 2010, like towards the end of 2010 was when the agency really started to get some traction. And then in 2011 was when it became like official. And, um, I can remember the first couple of years 
you know, talking with people, you know, they, they needed help on their website. So I'd be talking to their webmaster and their webmasters hated WordPress. And they all like, no, you have to build in dream. And I was just like, it, and I, I can feel their pain. Their jobs were threatened, right? It really mm-hmm. went from needing to have this very specific technical skill to just not needing it anymore. Isn't it incredible? The difference of back then the doing the website and Dreamweaver to today going in any platform and a couple clicks mm-hmm. in 10 minutes, you have a website up and an e-commerce store set up funnels, yep. oh, man. I remember, you know, I did something similar to you kind of learning yeah. HTML and trying to code websites by myself without actually going to school for it. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, Man, where, where I lost where I was going with this. Oh yes, I, so I got at one point I start doing uh, Google searches for scripts. I would like website scripts mm-hmm. I got like pre-done, and I bought one, and I ended up getting a website that was getting hundreds of thousands of visits per month. And the first time it broke, I realized it was made out of uh, it was in PHP. And I had no idea what PHP was. So then I had to learn another one. <laughs> yep. It, it, it's a big rabbit hole. You can go down for a long time. Uh, yes, sir. So, but that's awesome. You had 100,000. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you had 100,000 visits going to a website back then. That, that, what was the uh, topic there? That, that sounds awesome. Well, it was a, a video website. So it was uh, actually kind of... It was the infancy still of YouTube, well, infancy compared to today. But at the time I had this site, which was some of the most viral videos from YouTube uh, Im- embedded into my site. And originally it was oh, like wow. that. And then it was at one point they were just downloaded directly from YouTube to my site, which then they, they didn't allow anymore. Right. But, but yeah. And yeah, and they ended up removing my AdSense because of that. I couldn't have AdSense on the site because I was downloading right. the videos. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. I remember AdSense. Yep, I definitely had a couple of AdSense sites as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, you mentioned that uh, entrepreneurs are are made and and not not born. And mm-hmm. I hear that, I hear that a lot too. That uh, oh, uh, that's it's in his blood and the kind of those kind of things, which I don't agree with. Right? It's nobody is really born being an entrepreneur. It's like you learn it or you see somebody doing it. You're, maybe your parents, maybe a neighbor, uh, and so I agree with you with that. So that means you you were not born uh, an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Was the, uh, what, did you have a mentor, somebody that kind of you looked up to? Um, that's a great question. I wouldn't say that I really had a, had a mentor around entrepreneurship, but when I was younger, uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. So my dad owned a deli and he had a partner in that deli. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he, I was probably like around 10 years old when he sold it. So I, I was young when, when he owned it. Um, but, you know, I did get to go into work with him and, and, you know, and get to experience that kind of, you know, this is something he owned, you know, and I, I was, you know, the boss's kid, so I felt like, you know, I had a, a stake in it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, so I would go in and I would, I would help out around there. So that, that was definitely a formative experience for me. But then, like I said, I think it was about 10 when he sold it. So, it, you know, kind of the, 
it was formative, but it wasn't necessarily the years where you're really growing into trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. You know, back then, all I wanted to be was the center fielder for the New York Mets. So, um, so I would say, you know, through high school and college, I, I really focused much more on on trying to build a career and things like that. Um, and then I would say when I really started to look into becoming an entrepreneur, you know, I, I've had a lot of mentors because I'm, I'm a big reader. So I read a lot of books. So I try to take each one of those as, as kind of like a, a, a hidden, you know, a, like a, a mentor, really. Now, I'm not having conversations with these folks, but they have spent hundreds of hours you know, curating this content and whether it's doing research or, or just sharing their thoughts and their beliefs. So, I mean, I've had, you know, Tony Robbins, Jim Collins, uh, Tim Ferriss. I would say Tim Ferriss's four hour work week book definitely uh, hit home for me when that, when that came out, that was one that I, I mean, I've got the copy around here. It is uh, underlined and uh, you know, earmarked and, and highlighted. Uh, that's one that I go back to over and over again. Yeah, I guess uh, Tim Ferriss did that to a lot of people, right? And it's still he sure did. He sure did. today on the top of the bestsellers list. Just uh, just today, listening to a podcast, uh, the host uh, read it for the first time uh, this week. So there's still people out there that are continue reading it now. Yeah, yeah. I think he he releases new ones um, where he's got some case studies in there and some success stories. People who have kind of taken the advice from the first book and built businesses uh, like, like he recommended in there. So, yeah. And he's, he's still coming out with new books. He's got a great podcast too. So uh, yeah, he's a, he's definitely an influence. So when it comes to, for example, the marketing, digital marketing a few years ago, uh, if somebody wanted to start it, it would be just like anything else. It's at the beginning, the early stages, it's always easier to start some things. Sure. Is, it, is it a lot different today and a lot harder to start something like that? I would say it is a lot different. Um, to be honest, I think it's a lot easier. Um, it, it was a little easier back then because it, it was so new. So, so like everybody was interested in it, right? Everybody wanted to talk about it. Um, but there's a big difference between being interested in talking and, and actually purchasing something. Um, whereas now, businesses know I've, I've got to advertise online, right? I mean, like they just, they know it. So they, mm -hmm. they know it from day one. So you don't necessarily have to convince people. So, but I would say that you'd get, you'd get started much differently. When I, when I started, um, a lot of it was, I, I wasn't actually out to build an agency. I was out to really just build some websites that generated income. So like you, I had AdSense websites. I had um, an information products website. I had some e-commerce websites, which now the big thing is Amazon stores. Um, so I did all of those things. And it was through doing those websites and trying to build those businesses, which never really made it, right? Like they, there, were, there were some sites that made a few hundred dollars a month and that was nice. I wasn't complaining, but nothing really made it to, a, to a, the level of a full-time income. Um, but I started to get, because I, I was developing these skills, I started to get requests from people I know, like, hey, could you, could you help me with my business? I, I need help with my website. I need to get more people to my website. I, I need to start making sales for my website. Um, so it started off like that very organically, and I started helping them. And then I realized this is where the opportunity really is. And I, I loved it because it gave me the opportunity to work with, with entrepreneurs instead of just being alone in my, in my office, you know, plugging away in the middle of the night. 
It gave me the opportunity to work with business owners, get to know them, help them with their businesses. Like it's very satisfying when you create a campaign and it starts bringing in customers for somebody who owns a business. Um, they really like that. So I mean, that's why I call it local marketing hero because you, you get you get the opportunity to really feel like a hero sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you get an email from people or a text and they're just thrilled because they just closed a huge deal and you've had a big impact on their life. I mean, I, I love that. So, so I wasn't really out to start an agency. It just kind of happened. Whereas now you really could make the choice, all right, I'm going to start an agency. And because you do have those, those army of freelancers behind you, you don't have to learn all of the skills. You don't have to stay up till two, three in the morning, learn HTML like you and I did. Um, you, you, you know, now of course there's always trade-offs. Are you going to pay in time or are you going to pay in money? So we were able to pay in time back then. Um, and you can still pay in time now. Uh, but if you do have some money that you can invest and you can pay a freelancer, um, you can get things going much, much more quickly. And the beauty of this business too is that it's a great cash flow business in that typically you get paid by the client before you go do the work. So if you were going to hire a freelancer, you can, you can look up, all right, well, let's say I'm going to try to do Facebook advertising for, you know, gyms in my town. You know, you go to a local gym or fitness center, you, you, you can try to, to put together a, a campaign for them. And then you don't have to go get the freelancer until after they've agreed. So, um, so you do have that that you don't necessarily have to have the money on hand in order to get started. That's a really good point. And how about the scale? If, for example, you mentioned Facebook ads. If mm-hmm. somebody starting today wants to start an agency and they get a request for Facebook, Facebook ads, mm-hmm. uh, do you believe that uh, the, the person, in, in this case, that started the agency, needs that skill or they can just go and outsource it? Um, I think they need to understand the skill, right? I do think that you need to, to realize um, you know, how campaigns are set up. You need to realize some of the strategic things around it. And all of that is, is readily available. Um, you don't need a degree. You don't need to go to college for this. This is all like, you know, you, you learn by, by reading blogs, by listening to podcasts, um, by you know, finding people who have done it and asking them questions. Uh, there's tons of groups uh, on Facebook that are dedicated to running Facebook ads. So there's people in there that, you know, you can ask them questions. There's all kinds of ways to educate yourself. A self-education is so much more valuable than a formal education. Um, so I do think you need to understand it. I do think you need to uh, be able to get strategic. But what you don't need to do is spend the time in the nitty gritty kind of nonsense of it. Right. Yeah. So if, you, if you're able to approach freelancer and say, hey, this, you know, here's, here's my strategy here. Here's the audience that I want to show the ads to, and, and, and you, you've developed that, and then you hand it off to a freelancer to actually just go in and implement and, and create the ads and start the campaign running. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the best balance. And you know, if you're just getting started, maybe doing the first one on your own is not a bad idea. You know, spend that time in Facebook getting, getting familiar with, with what you would need to do so that you could give better instructions later to a freelancer. So, but I would say as soon as you can, Outsource that to a freelancer because that that really opens up your time to go out and work. You know, we say work on your business, not in your business, right? So it gives yeah. you more time and energy to go get new clients and to to uh, you know just look at different ways you can grow your business and work on your business as opposed to sitting in front of your computer. 
Nice. So I want to ask you about something that, and you kind of touched on it already. So I think I already know your opinion about it. <laughs> I want to ask you about entrepreneurs going to college for a few, few years and getting mm -hmm. uh, racking up a huge amount of uh, student loan debt. Right. Uh, so what's your opinion when it comes to, to that uh, entrepreneurs in college? I, I quite frankly, like you see now that like entrepreneurship is available as like a, a major in some colleges now, which I don't really understand. Like I just like to me, college entrepreneurship, not that they're at odds, but they're, they're not really this. It doesn't seem like the right place to learn entrepreneurship, but I guess is the, the way to put mm -hmm. it. Um, to me, it's not, well, I should say I did go to college. You know, I went, I got my degree. My degree is in philosophy. So, uh, it wasn't exactly, uh, super useful when I got out. Um, so I do think that there's some value in college as far as racking up debt. Absolutely not. Like I have two sons now and I mean, they're, they're 13 and nine and I've already told them like you, you cannot rack up debt. Like, I don't care if you stay home for school, you do like whatever it is there will be no racking up of debt because that buries you. It just, it puts you so far behind the eight ball. And as an 18 year old kid, you have no idea what you're doing to yourself when you take out those student loans. You have no idea. So uh, I'm really trying to teach my kids that, you know, that you don't have to go to college. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. We're still a few years away, but I, I would love if, um, you know, my sons were interested in starting a business. I'd rather take money and help them start a business than send them to college necessarily. Um, so I definitely don't think you need college to be an entrepreneur. I do understand that living in our culture, it's kind of hard for some people. They just don't know what to do, right? They've been told what to do their whole life. They graduated from high school and what everybody's telling them to do is go to college. So if you come along and you're like, no, you don't have to go to college. They're like, okay, but well, what do I do? Um, you know, it, it's a little bit of the paradox of choice, I guess. There's a, there's a whole world out there. Um, but I would love to see kids, you know, like at that age, if you got into a business and you just really like approach the business owner and said, I just want to learn, you know, everything. I want to learn how you run your business and what are the different things I should be looking at. A business owner would love that. They would absolutely love that. And, uh, I mean, I've got a friend here who started a, a pretty small business after high school, um, cleaning carpets. So he, he didn't go to college and you know, he just started a, a carpet cleaning business and then reinvested in it, reinvested in it. And, you know, he's, doing great. He's doing a lot better than a lot of, uh, a lot of us who went. And, um, he still has some regret though about not going. So, um, it's a weird thing in our society. People really yes. feel like you have to go. Yeah. It's, it's a program. I, I follow a gentleman with the name of, uh, Bruce Lipton and he always mentions that, uh, we as humans are living a program since the day we're, we're born. We're always told, what to do and what we can and cannot do. So mm -hmm. it's like a, we're programmed for certain things. And, yeah. and, and then when it comes to college, yes, the, the original intent of college was to train factory workers. So basically mm -hmm. it's the opposite of an entrepreneurship, right? Train people how to work for somebody else and then it developed into what we know today. So yeah, I, I'm guessing I agree with your opinion too. And I agree if, if my kids wanted to become entrepreneurs, uh, I know that there's a lot of online training basically in online world is, is the future that I see now. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, let, let's say you just really wanted a college. You can go to MIT for free. You know, I mean, for free, all of their classes are available online for free. 
Now they're not going to give you the piece of paper at the end. You know, you don't, you know, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that degree out of it, but you could get all of the education out of it. And um, yeah, I mean, the world's changing, especially in the education space. It's changing so fast now. And it doesn't matter what you want to learn. You're going to be able to find a course on it. And the thing that I love about that is that most of those courses are created by people who actually did it. And so like, you know, you, you go to, to college to learn entrepreneurship. Well, if this professor has never been an entrepreneur, how much can they really teach you? Um, I think it's really important to learn from people who've actually done what you want to do. Um, so I, I see the educational world, you know, changing dramatically. And you're, you're right. It was kind of a, a training ground for uh, factory workers. Really, that's why we have a school system here. You know, mm-hmm. well, you're in Canada, but I'm in the States. It's, School systems are close enough. You know, it was it was really to get people off the farms and get them uh, and get them into factories. And that kind of rote job now, like that factory worker jobs, they're going away. Sorry, they're all being automated now. So the jobs of the future are going to be jobs that require uh, imagination, jobs that require creativity, uh, emotional labor. Um, so you don't learn those things in college. You learn those things just by experiencing life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when it comes to, to marketing, uh, there was, uh, back in the day, there was a lot of people who used to say that marketing is deceiving uh, and, mm-hmm. it was, and I somewhat agree with that. And, you know, we had to do Photoshop, 3d renderings of the products instead of doing right. the photography of the product. And I see a lot, uh, I don't know if this is a new, a new marketing hack or, but I see a lot of honesty uh, mm-hmm. as as a new cool selling feature do you think that absolutely honesty is a new marketing hack uh, it is a little bit it is and it, it really started like the you don't hear this buzzword so much anymore but a couple of years ago when social media really started to explode um, authenticity was the big thing right like, I gotta mm-hmm. be authentic I gotta be, I gotta be transparent right and, and that's true. I mean, you want to be authentic. But I think what people were missing back then was, you know, I talk to my mom differently than I talk to my kids, differently than I'm talking to you right now, differently than I talk to my wife. All of them are authentic, right? They're, they're all real. Um, mm. But they're all just kind of different versions of me. And when you're doing your marketing, you, it's another version. So I do think that I don't want I don't want to see honesty get manipulated now. I, I do think that it has become a little bit of a shortcut, but only if they truly are being honest. So I think what happened was is people realized that authenticity and transparency were really important. So they became, you know, quote unquote authentic and transparent, but not really. And and uh, I remember reading a story about a, a girl, um, I'm not gonna remember her name, but she did, she was doing something on Instagram, whether whether it was like uh, fashion or interior design, whatever the deal was. And, you know, she was making some money. She had a, you know, a lot of followers, whatever it was, but she would set her computer up and her phone up so that it only shot one half of her apartment, which was immaculate and beautiful. And then the other half on the other side of the computer was just a disaster, right? So you might be able to pull something off for a little while, you know, not being honest, but long-term you're going to sabotage yourself. You're not going to be able to pull it off forever. Exactly. Now that's exactly what I was thinking. Like it's uh here I'm being honest with you, but it's the the bit of honesty that I want you to know. It's not the right. full. It's not the full, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and and that 
that's something that we see now more and more, and actually uh, I believe that's causing depression in some of the younger generation, the fact that people post all these nice things, and of course, they, like e even us, we post what we want, what we want to be seen, right? Oh, sure, of course. And, and when people see your image or the image of that Instagram girl, uh, they imagine the, the reality. So it's not really what she's pointing out. E each person imagines their reality, and that's, uh, I, I guess, it seems to be unstoppable right now. Yeah, I mean, Facebook is, it's, it's a highlight reel, right? I mean, like, we only put up the stuff that we would want other people to see, but that doesn't mean our life is only full of highlights. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I think it does lead to some depression. I think kids now, like, I'm really uh, careful with, with my son, who's newly a teenager. Um, I, he doesn't have a phone. Uh, I don't I don't want it to be in his face all day. I, I want, mm. I, you know, because... Like, even as an adult, I mean, I didn't have my first cell phone. Or I didn't have my first smartphone. I was probably 35, you know, <laughs> I, I don't remember what it exactly was, but it was around there. And even still, I've got the hardcore habit of, of just, you know, being on this thing all the time. If you start at 10, 11, 12 years old, when are you ever going to look up? So uh, I really don't want him to get too involved in it. It's impossible to, to not be involved at some level uh, mm -hmm. in, today's, in today's world. But uh, yeah, I think it's something we all need to really think about and be careful about. Yeah, and I, man, it's like it's like we're the same person because I agree. My kids aren't <laughs> teenagers yet, but it's a big fear of mine already that it's like having a third arm is that cell phone mm -hmm. is always attached to everybody. Yeah, and that brings me to a good marketing point, which is when social media gets involved with marketing and something that marketers can use. To their benefit and sometimes against them and that's social proof how mm -hmm. important is social proof in, in in your line of business uh social proof is big is pretty important um and you don't necessarily need to use social media for social proof but let's just say you're you're sending somebody to a, a landing page uh, whether you know for whatever whatever product it might be it doesn't even matter if you can show testimonials right like that is social proof you're able to show like hey look there's a a, a community of people that really think this product is awesome. Um, so, so social proof is really like one of those factors that you always want to show uh, on a product. Now, if you can, if you're the type of business that has a big social media following and you can get people excited about your stuff and then they can display that excitement on, on social media, that's going to be pretty powerful for you too. Yeah. Uh I, I see it everywhere, you know, in the e-commerce sites on the bottom left, you see the pop up mm -hmm. that Joe somewhere just bought this. And exactly. There's some, there's some that are actually 100% verified purchases. Others mm -hmm. are kind of made up social proof. Yep. And, yep. And uh, that you do see that a lot. And that's unfortunate. I think that's where. Right. Like, let's say 30, 40 years ago, we started to understand a lot of these different triggers you know, kind of the behavioral economics behind, uh, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our purchases and a lot of the way we act in the world. Um, and unfortunately with that understanding started to come manipulation and people realize, wow, well, social proof makes people buy. So I'm just going to show social proof, even if I don't have it. And, uh, and that to me is really unethical and we should be doing what we can to, 
to root that out. Yeah, and same as with the fake scarcity and the, the countdown timers, like you have five right. minutes to buy at this price, but you go there right. two weeks from now, it's still at the same price. And, right, yeah. and, and that's the thing, like, so you have scarcity, urgency, social proof, right? all these different factors that, that do help people buy from you. I think it's completely legitimate to use those things, but only when they're real, right? If you're telling me if I've got five minutes at this price and then I come back in a week and it's the same price, that that's not legitimate to me. But if you're like, hey, I, I can only do 10 of these at this price when, you know, when the 10th one's gone and the price is going up 50 bucks. Okay. You know, but that, as long as it's real, I'm okay with using those levers, I guess you'd call them. But when you when you use those levers and it's not real, that's that's really unethical. Yeah, and uh, years ago we always used to hear about the the law of seven in marketing that people have to hear from you seven times, right? Kind of start buying from you and trusting you. Is it still the same? Is it still seven times? Or now that everybody lives inside their phones, is it quicker? Does it take longer? What's your experience? Yeah, I would say um, that's a tough one. I would say it was never an exact science, right? It was never like, hey, the seventh time they're going to buy from you. So it was, it was more of a saying that just helped you continue to reach out or continue to put your messaging out there, right? So that, that law of seven comes a lot from like TV and radio, right? So when people bought TV or radio advertising, they would buy the two kind of yardsticks used to measure that are reach, how many people saw or heard the ad, and frequency, how many times did they see it. And um, and that was kind of a thing to, I think, help build up frequency. Right? It helped TV and radio advertisers say, like, oh, well, you know, they've only seen it three times. They need to see it seven times before they're going to buy from you. Um, so, so I think that's kind of where that was born. I don't know that for a fact, but that's, I think, where that was born. Um, but if you use that saying just to, to, to realize, okay, I can't say it once and expect it to completely resonate with the, with, you know, my, my potential buyer. I can't just say it one time and walk away. Um, you know, a, a big part of marketing sales is, is saying it more than once because they might not be ready to really hear you the first time they, you know, they, they might, you know, but say you get an email to somebody, they open it up, they're kind of excited to start reading it, but then, you know, their kid starts crying. They've got to walk away, especially life today. So I would say it's easier to get in front of people now. Um, and I can't really say whether it takes more or, or less than seven anymore. But I will say I think it's harder now just because there is an all-out war going on for your attention. Right? There are just so many things that are battling for your attention that it's, it's hard. And once you do get someone's attention you do want to take advantage of it. You do want to be like, all right, I've actually got their attention right now. How can I use things like urgency, scarcity, and all of that to really hold their attention? Because that's not easy to do in today's world anymore. It's, it's actually really hard to do. Yes, it is. You know what it reminds me of sometimes? You know, the, the used uh, car dealerships used to have those inflatable men with wiggly yeah. arms. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like in real life. So you're driving by. and But now I see that online. You open a page and suddenly there's all these wiggly and <laughs> <laughs> catch, catch that's why i haven't yeah i haven't seen the wiggly guy but for a while 
and I'm glad that these didn't really uh, stick around, but uh, video would come up, right? There'd be like a, like a lot of car dealer websites, like the car dealer would be on the, on the page, like, hey, I'm Brian, welcome to my car dealership. And, and we'd start to like, you know, have a conversation with you. Um, but I think pretty quickly we realized that level of trying to grab my attention is just way too interruptive uh, that people don't really want that. Yes. And as you mentioned, TV ads, radio ads, and uh, TV, I guess, still has their fair share. Do you still are still see a lot of people using radio and newspapers to advertise, even though they don't know what their conversion rate is? I do. I definitely do. And I do see a lot of people have gotten savvier with tracking conversion rates on those things. So they might use a specific coupon code, um, mm -hmm. things like that. Actually, we have a, a new client we, we just started working with a, a few months ago, and they were running uh, ads in newspapers. It's a very niche product, and they were able to place it in these newspapers, and it was working for them. And they knew to what level it was working for them. I was like, that's great. You know, most people have no idea. I was like, well, let's run some, some digital stuff and, and let's compare. Let's just see, you know, which one does better. And then, so they were able to see like, okay, this is what we're doing uh, on in the newspapers. And then boom, wow, this is what we could do online. This is awesome. But they did decide to keep the newspaper stuff running, even though the numbers didn't really compare to digital, they were still making money, right? They, mm -hmm. they, it was still turning a profit for them. So they're like, okay, well, we're not going to turn it off. It's making money, but you know, we're glad we found digital too. So, and it depends on, you know, who your audience is, what exactly your product is, who you want to reach, what your message is. You know, if you've got, um, you know, if you're looking to reach people over 65, the newspaper might not be a bad spot. Yeah. They're, they're, they're still reading the newspapers for sure. Um, so, you know, it's easy to see that that's going to go away. I, I shouldn't even say it's going to fully go away. I think newspapers will be with us forever. Um, well, forever might be a stretch, but they're going to be with us for a while. Um, I think they're still going to be with us. They're just people who are in that habit and, and they buy the newspaper every day. Um, and those newspapers are making money. They're not making the money they made in the 80s, but they're still making money. Um, you know, and if you're, a, I can't remember the big newspaper publishers right now. It's like Gannett, I think. And uh, I don't I remember their names here in the States, but they're still making money. They just have to do it in different ways, right? Instead of if you just own the one local newspaper, they now own 50 local newspapers. Yes. Are able to, you know, so it's just a, you know, completely restructured their business model. Um, but they're still making money. I, I imagine it somewhat going om almost disappearing and then having a comeback, almost like snail mail. That is right. there's actually some really cool campaigns that can be done now with snail mail because absolutely, when you send a white envelope with just the person's name on it, more than likely the chances are they are going to open that envelope. So I see a lot of absolutely. cool marketings like that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing about marketing. You want to zig when everybody else is zagging, right? Kind of like yeah. what you said earlier with, um, you know, seeing honesty come out or things like that. You know, it, it's people making bold, bold, bold claims, and then oh, then try the honesty for a while. And mm -hmm. it's just you, you want to zig when everybody's zagging. Just it, it helps you stand out. We've definitely done some some uh, some snail mail campaigns, and you can tie them in with digital now, which is great. So you can you can have a, a, a snail mailer that goes out, but sends people to a specific landing page. And you know, when you want to combine the two, uh, you know, you get even more power out of it. Nice. How about the, the strategy of, uh, you know, give, 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 and then take kind of like uh, jab, 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 right hook. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, yes, sir. Yes, still sir. Today. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a good strategy. Um, that kind of it goes to another one of those triggers, which is reciprocity, right? So you have the urgency, scarcity, mm-hmm. and reciprocity, and then like people wanting to, if you do something for them, they kind of want to return the favor. Um, depends on your business model, but yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for, or, or even like what your business is. But I think there's a lot to be said for if you can give in the way of education, or you can give in the way of entertainment, um, and, and it keeps your audience engaged and it keeps them paying attention to you. Um, if you start to just ask for the sale every time that that's going to get old really quick. Uh, so, so I think that, you know, three gives to a, to a get kind of a, kind of a ratio is, is a smart play. Yeah. Awesome. So tell me what was one of the times that you had a, a big failure either in your marketing career or in, in your entrepreneurial life? Sure. Um, I touched on it a little bit earlier. I would say really it, it ended up being okay because it, it worked out and I got the agency out of it. But a lot of that stuff that I built in the beginning, I, I did consider failures. Um, I mean, one of my e-commerce websites did a lot of, of sales. I ended up doing a, a really a, quite a bit of number of sales, but it was drop shipping. So the margin on that is so small. Um, so I, I think one summer I tracked it and I did like $9,000 in sales. I probably worked, yeah, geez, you know, hundreds of hours, you know, and then the, the, the actual profit was around 1500 bucks. And I'm like, all right, this is just not worth it. Like I've got this. And, you know, I was really proud of myself. I got the website built and I got, I got traffic to it and it was showing up in Google and people were making purchases. I can remember um, the very first customer, I actually, he ended up not even being a customer. He called you know, it was a website. It was just, you were just supposed to order online, but he called the customer service number, which just got forwarded to my cell phone. And um, he was asking, you know, can I take the handlebars from this bike and put it on this bike and change this out? And then I got to call the wholesaler, the drop shipper, and see if all those things can happen. And, you know, it took me hours just to get all of his questions answered. And then he's like, nah, I'm good. Thanks anyway. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but I was excited because it was my first one. So, I, you know, I, I kept it going. And then we did start to make just some sales where people came to the website and just pulled the trigger. And, you know, then you had to take the purchase offer, send it off. Um, but the real bulk of the work was making sure people came to the website. And uh, I, just after that, after that summer, I was like, this is, this is not worth it. Dude. I'm not making nearly as, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting paid way more by the hour just doing my job. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I let that one go. Um, but yeah, I think that just getting out there and, and, and making mistakes, I don't really see them as failures because it's part of the process, right? Part of the process of being successful is doing stuff that doesn't work. And, you know, it's in the doing of that stuff that you really learn what does work. And, and as long as you're applying the lesson, it sounds cheesy or cliche, but really, as long as you're really learning and applying the lesson from your mistakes, they're just not failures to me. I think you can fail when you don't try. If, if you just don't try yeah, something, yeah. Um, to me, that's really like true failure. And, and you know, not trying something that you want to try. Uh, obviously, there's mm-hmm. plenty of things in the world that I haven't tried. But, uh, but a lot of times we don't try because we're scared. And, um, and that was something that I think held me back for a long time in the beginning. Um, I definitely got some paralysis through analysis. I, like I said, I did a lot of reading on entrepreneurship and running a business, things like that. But I never just took those first baby steps to get something started. It took me a long time to really get something started. And I regret that because I, I, I lost years just kind of like that entrepreneur stage of, 
man, you know, I really want to just work for myself, but I don't know what to do or I don't know how to do it. And, and the key is, is to just take small actions. Um, you're going to learn stuff. Yeah. You're going to make mistakes. Who cares? You're going to learn stuff. Um, and I think that taking those actions also gets rid of the fear. Um, I think we fear the unknown and we fear things that we want to do, but we're scared to do. And, and it, but once you start to just take those small actions, it, it really gets rid of the fear too. Did you find that uh, you, you missed a few, uh, taking a few actions and then suddenly when you start taking action on this and that, you, you lost a bit of your fear and then you wanted, you actually had the fear of not taking action? I asked this because it happened to me and I, and then I would see like, Oh, affiliate marketing. Oh my goodness. Now I, I'm already late. I'm going to jump on this right now. And right. Drop right. shipping, jump on that right now. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've had things come and go. Um, I, I think it's important to realize that, um, timing's not everything, right? So that, the, but there have definitely been things where I've like, Oh man, I, I missed, I missed my window on, on that opportunity. And I think that I'm wrong when I think that way. Maybe the window changes a little bit. Maybe instead of using this tool, I need to use that tool or, or, mm -hmm. or things like that. But, um, but I, I genuinely believe it doesn't really matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. Um, you know, something like drop shipping or affiliate marketing, they might have had like their big heyday and then moved on. But I've been hearing, you know, emails dead and SEOs dead, you know, for, for 15 years. And it's just not true that, you know, they, they still serve a purpose. They still have their, their, their place. It's just that it's not new. So not everybody's not talking about those things anymore. Um, so I try to fight that when I feel it like, oh, man, I think I missed out on this. I, I try to take a minute and, and, and be like, OK, did I really miss out or is there another angle I can take here? <laughs> I try to fight it now as I fight it as well. And sometimes not only for the fact that uh, do I still have time, it's more than do I have, do I actually have time to invest mm -hmm. into something new yeah. or do, do I keep my time just to progress with what I'm currently doing? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, I, I feel that sometimes even with um, local marketing hero, right? So I'm still running my, my agency, right? I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't shut it down. <laughs> I, so, so the, the local marketing hero piece of it is I, I ran into all those questions too. Like, do I actually really have the, the time to pull this off? Um, you know, how much can I, can I really give to this? And to be honest, it took me a, a really long time to put together all of the materials because it was something I was doing, you know, at night in the morning and I've got two kids and <laughs> baseball games to go to and, and, you know, and all kinds of things like that. So, but it, it really did get to a point where, and, and I think this goes to a little bit of what I was saying earlier, I would have considered myself having failed if I didn't really push it out there. Like, I, I think there was a piece of me that, that kind of had some limiting beliefs around it and, 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 and was just had to push through those to really, to really get out there and, and get it created and, and help some folks. So, yeah, I mean, this is something I, I battle with, too, and, you know, we'll probably battle with it uh, forever. You know, it's just, uh, just being human. Yeah, well said. So, Brian, now let's talk a bit about the Local Marketing Hero. What exactly can people expect from Local Marketing Hero, and where, how can they find it? Sure. Um, well, if they go to localmarketinghero.org, 
Um, there's a couple of blog posts there, a couple of uh, my stories on there. Um, and I do have a, they can download what I'm calling my 88 secrets, right? So it's basically what, what I see as just really the thoughts and the beliefs and some of the, the business uh, structure and business ideas that really helped me be successful at this. So that's just a, a you know quick, easy download and, and you can read the PDF. I think there's really some awesome nuggets in there. Um, so, I mean, if it's something where people are, are thinking, oh, you know, I, I do want to start my own business. Uh, I, I'm not sure what I wanted. I, mean, I think a lot of people go through what, what you and I have gone through. I tried affiliate marketing. I tried AdSense. I tried e-commerce. I tried this. I tried that. And um, I just think that there are so many great things about this business model. You know, I mentioned the cash flow earlier. Just, you know, obviously all the things that you want to get out of an online business, which is working from home and making your own hours and, and working for yourself. But this one in particular is more, you know, the, the cash flow up front. And for me personally, I, I found uh, I need the interaction with other humans. Um, <laughs> when I was doing those other businesses, I, I, you know, I was really just on my computer. A lot of it was at night. And, and after a while, I was like, ah, you know, I, like I, I do work from home now still, but you know, there are days where I'm like, ah, I'm just going to go work in the, in the coffee shop or I'm just going to, you know, travel around and, and pop in on a couple of clients just to, just to get that interaction. So um, that, that's one of the things that I really like about this business model as opposed to some of the more, you know, online focused ones. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to let you know a secret that I, pro I never even shared on the podcast, but when I envision myself as a online entrepreneur that can work from anywhere, Mm -hmm. I, I didn't see myself in Mexico drinking pina coladas like on the beach with a laptop. I always picture myself going from coffee shop to coffee shop <laughs> and just, you know, having a coffee and just talking to people coming in and being there doing my work. That's what I picture. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that if that's what you want, that's, that's, you know, cause that's much closer to how it really is. Right. Um, you know, yeah. I definitely have my weeks on the beach, but to be honest, I don't want my laptop when I'm having those weeks. You know, I want to be able to, to tuck it away at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's different, different, different things appeal to different people. If I was, you know, younger and didn't have kids yet, or maybe I would want to travel the world. But, uh, to be honest, at this point, I'm focused on just building a life that I enjoy so that I don't have to take big vacations from it or travel the yeah. world and, and, uh, and, and just, you know, really love my work and love what I'm doing. So that's where, I, that's where I'm trying to get now. Sounds like you are too. Yes, sir. So localmarketinghero.org, that's where they can find Local Marketing Hero. And if they want to get a hold of you, is through the same, same uh, URL? Uh, yep, yeah. Uh, they can just send an email to me if they want. That's fine with me. Um, it's just b at briansamen.com is, is really the, the easiest email to, to reach me at. I'm also on Twitter, just at bsamen. Uh, my last name is spelled S-A-E-M-A-N-N. -N. So uh, Twitter is not a bad spot to find me too. Perfect. And for those of you that are driving, you can check the show notes when you pull over and I'll have the links in there for you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Ryan, thank you very much for your time. And this was a lovely conversation. I'm really excited about this. You, you got it, Quinn. It was great chatting with you. I really had a great time. So thank you very much. And guys, before you go, when you have the next opportunity, get a free surprise entrepreneurship and leadership ebook by emailing freepressmedia at freepressmedia.org. All right, take a risk to improve your life 
by requesting this free surprise ebook. When you have a second, kindly request this free entrepreneurship and leadership ebook by emailing freepressmedia at freepressmedia.org. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks for subscribing to Fail Fast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.